This B-side explainer series on cybersecurity continues with a conversation with Angel T. Redoble, founder and chair of the Philippine Institute of Cybersecurity Professionals and chief information security officer of the PLDT Group. We go now to the private sector as Mr. Redoble tells Business World reporter Patricia B. Mirasol that businesses, big and small, have to take steps to protect the data they process since bad actors have widened their net and are targeting entities regardless of their size. If you're a small business owner, what should your considerations be when it comes to cybersecurity? Well, there is no distinction unlike uh, years ago where big companies have a different perspective or different uh, recognition in cybersecurity compared to the small ones. And that uh, the small companies before were less likely to be attacked. A few years back, uh, things have changed in cybersecurity when uh, until today, everyone is already a probable target because we all have something that the cyber attackers want. Our information, personal information of our customers. E- even if you are a small entity doing online selling or e-commerce, you are storing, processing, and probably transmitting uh, information of your customers. And that makes you a target. So the appreciation must be on the same level. It can no longer be the same as before wherein a small entity or an SME will say, I'm just a small company and uh, no one will be uh, interested. Uh, In fact, we have seen that especially during pandemic when uh, most of us were working from home, uh, we became targets because we were connected to a very vulnerable uh, network we call the home network. So the appreciation must be of the same level. Everyone must be very uh, scared and uh, must take of high importance this cyber-related risks that we are talking about, especially for businesses. How can businesses choose the right security platform for them? That has been a challenge since we started to experience cyber-related incidents because very few can provide an end-to-end perspective of the threat and the security uh, aspect. And most of the time, until today, small entities, they rely to vendors. And you know, when you are uh, talking to vendors about your problems, you will be getting a, a very narrow perspective, meaning these vendors will always want to sell something. But it may not be addressing the whole problem of an entity. So it's a challenge because even SMEs need someone with the end-to-end experience in cybersecurity so that they can be provided with end-to-end understanding as well. And one of the biggest problems is cybersecurity is not cheap. It has always been very expensive. And uh, the reason why SMEs also are not being at par with, with the right standards because of budget. And that's another problem. Our publication, Business World, interviewed you back in 2019. And during that time, you were talking about technologies such as IoT, AI, 5G, and so on. How important are these technologies when it comes to a company's cybersecurity plan? IoTs and 5G and other uh, technological advancement is very important to advance businesses, to advance the user's experience, to improve the way we do things, even for us uh, users. However, this also 
expands the attack surface. So the challenge is how we adapt these uh, technology advancements and at the same time maintain a sufficient level of cybersecurity from the business perspective, government perspective, down to the users' perspectives like us. And you cannot expect the users to be able to protect themselves. Very few are tech savvy. Very few can understand security and technology. But majority are just plain users. They just want to experience convenience. They just want to experience the uh, speed the internet is providing them for their children to be able to do online classes, for them to be able to do their jobs at home. But the bottom line, majority is really vulnerable without sufficient security on their level. Let's circle back to small businesses. Let's say you're an e-commerce seller with 50,000 loyal customers. So you're getting there, but you're not a big business yet. What are the top one or two things that you should invest in cybersecurity-wise? Should you get a reputable payment portal? Or should you be concerned about securing your website? Well, it's not a prioritized kind of uh, approach. It has to be uh, done in the same level. If you're into e-commerce and you will engage yourself into online payments, then you should partner with uh, an organization who is into online payment with a very good uh, reputation in cybersecurity. And you will be able to understand that when you talk to them or when they provide you with documents, etc. At the same time, you should be able to secure also whatever you have with you that you process. Any confidential information or personal information, you should be able to protect that. Now, if this information is stored and processed in your website, then your website must be uh, secure. Now, how you secure that is another question. So you should talk to people who can provide you with end-to-end perspective in securing your website because it's not just the website. It's not just the external uh, attackers. There's also possible internal compromise, which is more likely to uh, happen when you have internal employees accessing this information. It would be easier for them because they will have, uh, by default, access. And that requires administrative uh, security approach like policies and procedures. And that requires the technical security uh, requirements, which uh, talks about the different technologies in, in securing your website. So you have to have access to this consultants, you have to have access to these ideas and that is a problem because not too many are into this kind of understanding in protecting the security of the infra, protecting the security of the systems and protecting the security of the information. Sounds very technical. So do you advise companies to have a cybersecurity strategy from the very start? Yes. It's difficult for SMEs because uh, budget is always a problem. But something has to be done to be able to provide the SMEs uh, access to these strategies. We have to do something to reverse uh, the approach. Instead of the SMEs trying to figure out how to do cybersecurity, there has to be an entity who will go down to the SMEs and provide them a strategy. Talking more about public-private collaborations, does the government engage the private sector or academia in its cybersecurity initiatives? Yes. In our experience with PLDT, we, we are very closely coordinating with the DICT, their Cybersecurity Bureau. 
with the CICC also and National Privacy Commission too, NTC also. So there's been a constant collaboration with some initiatives focusing on cybersecurity. Perhaps you can talk about the initiatives of PixPros? So for our organization in PixPro, we are not focused on uh, one pillar like online commerce security. Our approach is general. Our objective is to be able to provide trainings and awareness to the community to improve, to educate the community on cybersecurity, to elevate the knowledge and skills of the community, to be able to protect themselves from uh, all cyber threats, and of course to expand the reach of having access to cybersecurity professionals. So that is our objective, recognizing the fact that the schools are not producing cybersecurity professionals. I think we have very few schools who are offering cybersecurity related. But uh, unlike engineering, unlike medicine, unlike nursing, it, it's already institutionalized. But today, cybersecurity is not yet institutionalized in all of, of big schools or universities. If cybersecurity is not institutionalized in schools, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it's not a good thing because the threat is growing and we need cybersecurity professionals. We need cyber warriors, as we call it, for the SMEs in this case to have access to these uh, skills and uh, professionals. If what's happening is uh, the threat is growing and there's very limited number of people who are joining the cybersecurity uh, workforce, then that's not a good thing. Eventually, we will end up being widely overtaken by the threat and with uh, very few people uh, who can help the whole community to defend and protect the businesses, including the people who are using our cyberspace. Just out of curiosity, if there are so very few cybersecurity professionals here in the Philippines, where do multinationals and corporations find their cybersecurity professionals for their operations? There are different definitions of cybersecurity professionals. My definition of a cybersecurity professional is someone who can do end-to-end. But you can hire someone who will operate your hardware for security, your software for security. That's not cybersecurity. That is IT security. That is uh, security in a very narrow pillar. So when we talk about cybersecurity professional, is someone who can strategize, someone who can do more in uh, the field of cybersecurity. That's what we need. We've been having people who can who can operate firewall, for example, but that's not enough because the threat is growing and firewall is not sufficient enough for us to defend ourselves. So when we say a cybersecurity professional, it has to be an end-to-end kind of uh, skills and knowledge. What they're getting are people who can operate hardwares, who can configure software, but that's not cybersecurity professional. So would you suggest that if you're a corporation and you need cybersecurity professionals, that you get people who are enthusiastic about the field and then train them from there? That's what we do. I've been doing is we hire fresh grads, but we institutionalize a training program. So you hire people who are interested. You hire people who are determined. You hire people whose EQ is higher. I'm not very particular with IQ. If you are someone who's interested and you have a reason to work hard, then you can be trained. You can be trained because that's the only way we, we can sustain the supply. Get fresh grads. Train them. After three years, they will leave you. That's fine. As long as you keep on bringing in fresh grads to be trained. I'm glad that you mentioned EQ because some individuals think that soft skills are not very important. But in fact, soft skills are hard drivers of business. 
Exactly. That's the heart and soul of being a hardline cybersecurity professional. Our environment is very different. Uh, discipline required is also very different. So if you are very low in IQ, you will not survive. Even if you are high in IQ, uh, remember this is not being taught in school. So you have to start from the beginning. So that's why I personally prefer someone who has you know gone through uh, hardships in life but survived. I want to circle back to data because more and more people are getting an easy about how their personal data is being used and harvested. How can businesses do data governance right? Well, I think businesses are already doing data governance through their DPOs, their uh, data privacy officers or data protection officers. And uh, out of compliance with our uh, Data Privacy Act in 2012, the National Privacy Commission has been very, very aggressive in implementing our uh, Data Privacy Act based on what I've been reading organizations uh, big and small I believe have improved their recognition and understanding on the importance of protecting the personal information of their customers and their uh, employees and there's been a change in mindset no, in the community before we just give our information but now I think when someone calls you and you don't know the, the caller you always ask where did you get my number and when someone asks you to give your personal information if it's a long list of information we always question now, like before. So even for uh, COVID-related registrations, we always question, why do you need more? So data governance is continuously getting better. I wonder if you could help me understand something. Because last month, Viber released a press statement reassuring its users that their personal data is protected and encrypted. When I posted a part of that press release on Facebook, everyone reacted with a ha-ha emoticon. One of my friends said, then how come I get spam messages mentioning my Viber name? I received the same uh, message using my Viber name also. But there are two possibilities. One possibility is the information came directly from Viber or was acquired by these scammers. But the other possibility is it is also possible to scrape data publicly without the need to compromise the system of, in this case, Viber. By some technical uh, steps, the scammers are able to get your data or your, your Viber name. So I wouldn't jump into a conclusion that Viber was compromised. So how far can these scammers go? Can they also somehow access our photos and videos on Viber? No, no. Our problem is our mobile numbers. If somewhere you provided your mobile number, I can find out your Viber name using your mobile number. I just add you, add, and then put your number. And after that, I get your name without the need to compromise any system. So the scammers found an automated way to do that. So the question should not be on the uh, uh, whether or not there was hacking. The question should be where did the scammers get our mobile numbers? What are the industries that are most vulnerable to attacks? I mean, how strong or how vulnerable are our strategic infrastructure? Like, for instance, telcos and healthcare and banking. I cannot comment on the other um, entities, but if I'm going to mention what we do you know, in my job in PLDT, is we make sure that we are 
on a 24 by 7 basis, practicing the highest level of paranoia. And with that paranoia comes with an annual budget for us to ensure that our infrastructure, our systems, and the information that we collect, process, and transmit is protected and secured to the highest level 24 by 7. Not on a weekly basis, but on a daily basis, 24 by 7. So that's why we don't, we don't sleep much. We sleep okay, but uh, not unlike a normal person where you sleep straight at night and then you wake up 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. in the morning. Our job is something that you need to be awake and uh, vigilant. Does this high level of paranoia extend to your remote staff? Because a lot of organizations nowadays are perimeter-less. They have staff in this area and they even have entire teams in other countries. Some people say that the risk of remote work is hard to keep company data secure if it has to move from one personal computer to another. How can you manage all those endpoints? Depends on how you strategize. Before pandemic, we already anticipated the possibility of uh, remote working. So we have to make sure that wherever you work, wherever people is working, whether at home, in a coffee shop, or wherever outside the country, that uh, the asset that the employee is using is highly protected. And that the access being made by the uh, user is uh, monitored very closely and any changes in the behavior, it will trigger an alert in our cybersecurity operations center and says there's something wrong with the behavior of the user. You guessed it in our Cyber Resilience Forum back in 2019. Two and a half years into the pandemic, how far along is the country now in terms of cyber resilience? I would say we've improved a lot, especially in terms of uh, acceptance and uh, recognition that uh, the cyber-related risk is really something that could break an organization or a business if unaddressed by the top management. Uh, we have seen companies, especially abroad, became victims of ransomware, for example, wherein they were asked to pay $10 million ransom, $40 million ransom, $50 million. And we have seen how it impacted the, the business. One of the hacking in a, an oil company in the U.S. impacted the supply of uh, fuel in, in some parts of the east or west side of the U.S. So it impacted the way people are living their lives on a daily basis. So that's why cybersecurity is no longer just about protecting systems and network infrastructures. This is already about protecting and securing the community. President Marcos mentioned that digital infrastructure is part of nation building. What can the administration focus on to help improve the country's digital infrastructure? There are three aspects no, in digitalization. First, computerization. I think in early 90s, we started talking about computerization because that's the time where we started to have computers. In 1994, we had internet. After computerization, there has to be automation. You computerize all the offices and then you automate the processes. Whatever process, business process, operational process, you automate that. After automating the process, you integrate processes. You integrate all the government agencies. You integrate the private sectors to your government agencies. But with these three, the common denominator should be cybersecurity. Because the moment you computerize, you subject yourself to uh, cyber-related uh, attacks. The moment you automate, meaning when you attack one, you attack all. You integrate the more. It's a double-edged sword. No? Uh, since 
everything is integrated, when one uh, attacker is able to compromise one system, then he might be able to move laterally to other systems. So you need to have cybersecurity at the top of mind when you talk about digitalization. So you computerize, you automate, you integrate, but in the planning stage, there should be cybersecurity already the part of that uh, plan. I think the government is still working on the integration part. We hope to have uh, more integrated uh, agencies. It will improve uh, government services. Uh, financial inclusion will also be uh, there. Economic security will improve because that's, that's supposedly what digitalization can provide. It's a good thing that we have a president who is very consistent when it comes to his pronouncements on digitalization, which is the right way to improve our economy. We have to be able to uh, digitalize the government, integrate with the private sector. I don't have any other questions. Would you like to share some of the activities of PixPro, which you are the chairman of? We have every Friday, uh, well, we call it Kwentuhang uh, Cybersecurity. So this is uh, the topics uh, ranges from technical, uh, business, career-wise, and also also for parents and children. Why is it very important to involve the parents and children? Because the victims, as we have been seeing, are parents. They become victims with phishing, scamming, and uh, thousands of pesos are lost, supposedly for the food and allowance of the family. And children, because of this online sexual exploitation and abuse of children that we have seen. So it's very important to educate them in a manner where they will understand the risk of being connected to the internet. So the risk of becoming a victim to a pedophiles, the risk of becoming victim to a scammer, the risk of uh, becoming victim of a hacker who steals personal information that can provide damage. So more than the businesses, the government agencies and uh, other organizations, the most important asset in our society are children. As early as today, cybersecurity should play uh, a vital role in uh, securing and protecting uh, our very important assets with our children. And there's no better way in doing that by uh, educating the parents. So we have been in existence since 2013. We continue to grow. Uh, we have different chapters. Uh, we have chapters in different provinces in the country. We can also provide, if there are requests, coming from different groups for us to provide awareness and uh, trainings. Uh, we also do that for free. Uh, we don't charge anything. It's purely advocacy and we hope to be able to contribute to the requirements of uh, producing more cybersecurity professionals, skilled and knowledgeable in the technical perspective and business perspective. And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard Angel Tiredoble, founder and chair of the Philippine Institute of Cybersecurity Professionals and chief information security officer of the PLDT Group. A few takeaways from his conversation with Business World reporter Patricia B. Marisol. We should all be scared, said Mr. Redoble, since everyone is now a probable target. We all have something that cyber attackers want. That is, we all have data. Cybersecurity, he added, should be left to the professionals to be done properly since users can cannot be expected to protect themselves from sophisticated online threats. This B-Side episode was recorded on-site in Pasay City on October 6. It was produced by Joseph Emmanuel L. Garcia, Earl R. Lagundino, and me, Samuel Marcelo. Thanks for listening.